Morning, church. So good to see you. For some of you, maybe it's Happy New Year's. 2020 is here, so uh, it's uh, really good to see you, and I'm so excited to be here today. My name is Toby once again, and uh, just uh, just great to serve here as as a pastor, and we get to, to look to the God's Word, very own Word, and see Him as our highest authority, that He is our King, our Lord, and we get to submit to His words and, and it's, it's, it's the most amazing feeling that we get to do this together. So now, uh, I, hope, I hope you see God as your authority, the Word as your authority, because, you know, it's, there isn't anything else. I mean, yes, like, like, yes, we have other authority figures. Like, when we think of authority, like, we think of, like, the police, or we think of, like, you know, the President of the United States of America. I mean, yes, they are authority that, you know, but... God is our ultimate authority. Amen, church. It's, it's so, uh, there's a story in San Gabriel uh, a couple years ago about a fake cop faking his authority. Isn't that like the most horrible thing you could ever think of, right? Well, there is a story where the, the guy was chasing after other cars. They're pulling people up because they're flashing a light. And then they, of course, they'll, they'll pull, you know, pull to the side because you wouldn't think he's a fake because when you see the light, it's like, oh, no, what did I do wrong? So, so there's an incident that several times this fake cop faking his authority asked them to roll down the window, and eventually they robbed the people of the money and whatever they, they could get a hold of. And just a scary story I just heard. And there was a, a video of, of like uh, of a, the news uh, part of that news that talked about that. So I got this video, and there's an interview, and I just want to share this with you. So can we get the video going? It's a horrible story, right? Today, residents across the San Gabriel Valley are on alert. They also admit that they've never really questioned the identity of any officer with whom they've had interactions in the past. That's not your first thought. It's okay, what did I do Wait, wrong what? or what's going on? Um, I know this guy. So, yeah, it's, it's frightening. Especially for... <laughs> By the way, that wasn't the fake cop. That, that was... Uh, I think Pastor Phil several years ago. I didn't notice him for first because uh, he looks so like in shape, man. So, but uh, uh, I'm glad you guys noticed him because. Uh, um, but you know that's just a scary story, like this this fake authority. So thank God, our God is a genuine, authentic, trustworthy, loving, and a real God who has this this genuine authority. It's not fake. It's, it's, it's real. And Bible teaches us that, that God is the authority, our spiritual authority that we must submit to. And, and also the Bible, you know, throughout the Bible talks about God being a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each of them have the same authority. And the key question, however, this, this, this figure that became flesh, man, Jesus Christ, do you see him as your authority? I mean, he was just like you and I. Do you, can you really see him as your ultimate authority? Do you take him seriously? Do you take his word seriously as Caroline, as she challenged us that there's sometimes life is, is crazy, but also he, we were called to forgive other people. I mean, are, are we really taking Jesus' word of forgiveness and his commands seriously enough? Because that tells us, do we really see him as authority or not? Or do we just say, ah, he's just a, uh. but when we see him as our ultimate authority, that 
affects every aspect of our lives, the way we live and, and how we live out his teaching. And that's so important because the religious leaders of that time, even though they saw Jesus every day, they debated with them, they saw the miracles, they failed to accept him as their authority, even though they're so close. Maybe for you, you may feel close to God. You may know him for all your life because you grew up in church. You go to church, you sing your hymns, you sing your songs, you, you do your prayer. But do you really see him as authority? Are we okay? Or in a way, are we similar to the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at that time? Hey, let's go back to the Luke series because we've been going to Advent series. We haven't seen that open video for a while, opening video for a while because we've been, we haven't been there in like a month and a half. But we've been covering uh, from the first chapter of Luke to chapter 20. And, and we covered the area where Jesus from Galilee, where he grew up, he's walking down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a place where Jesus is going to get crucified, partly due to this incident that takes place in today's reading. And it's from chapter 20, verse 1, um, in his interaction with the religious leaders. This really got the leaders, religious leaders, Mad, But this is what happened. One day, this is verse 1, Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us, by what authority are you doing these things, they said? Who gave you this authority? So these teachers of the law, these, these priests, chief priests, they were part of the Sanhedrin. This is like this, this organization of the Jewish religion that was like the elite of the elite. They were the ultimate spiritual authority of, of this, this religion, this Jew, Judaism. And, and they came to Jesus and says, what gave you the authority? Well, because to them, this Sanhedrin, these religious leaders... Authority meant everything. Every time they spoke a word, they say, okay, well, I am authorized, authorized to share this because I was taught by this guy and this guy and this guy. And the long sighting of their accreditation, you know, who, who gave them the authority, that was so important to them. So when they asked Jesus, what, who gave you the authority? They're, they're, this is what they're really trying to say. We're the authority, bro. You didn't come to us. You didn't check with us. Did you? No, I didn't see you at my office. You who gave you the authority? You never checked with us. So why are you thinking you could do whatever you want, Jesus? Because to them, the message that Jesus was giving them is like, it wasn't through them. And they just could not stand the fact that he was going out there and telling, proclaiming the good news of God as if he had true authority. Well, Jesus did have authority. But it's interesting. Jesus did not ask, answer their questions straight up. Jesus, because he knew, Jesus knew that their hearts, they wouldn't even hear what Jesus had to say. Because no matter what Jesus said, they would not regard Jesus as their authority. They were not willing to submit to Jesus. So Jesus did not even answer their question. Rather, he asked a question back, revealing the biggest problem of their hearts, which was the lack of submission, their lack of repentance. Lack of seeing Jesus as their authority. They, this question revealed them. This is what Jesus says. So, so clever. Verse 3 says, he replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or was it on, of or, human origin? See, John the Baptist is important because he was there before Jesus 
telling people to repent because the kingdom of God is coming. He basically saying, Jesus is coming, so you must repent. That was his message all along. So the Pharisees, the teachers of law, they never accepted John's message either. They were like, why do I need to repent? Well, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to. Who is this guy, Jesus? Who, how can he be the Messiah? We got the answer. So John's message of repentance never hit home to them. Obviously, they have no idea how to answer this question because they really didn't understand what the truth about repentance. So that's why Jesus didn't answer their question either about authority. Rather, it's really cool. He begins to share a parable. What's a parable? It's a story that reveals a spiritual reality using a daily ordinary stories of life. So Jesus shares a story and usually in a parable, a character of that parable has an association with the real life character. So this particular parable, the connection was so obvious. It was so easy to notice. So there's an owner of a, a vineyard that represents God. And this vineyard represents the nation and the people of Israel. And, and the owner asked these tenant, they, uh, the tenant farmers rent this uh, vineyards to, they would take care. And those tenant farmers, they were the religious leaders that came up to Jesus that day. And then the vineyard owner sent several servants to collect their harvest. But they represent the prophets and the priests that God has sent to Israel many, many uh, hundreds and hundreds of years for that span of time. And then the son that the owner sent, obviously, is Jesus Christ. So the story goes like this. The owner of this vineyard, he leaves. So he rents out this, this, this vineyard to these farmers to take care. And all he, he asks is a very reasonable request of, would you give me the portion of the harvest? Because it's his vineyard. He asks for them to take care and just, all, just, just give me the portion. So I'll be sending you my servants to receive my portion. And somewhere along the line, these farmers began to feel like, wait a minute. I don't want to give back. This is our vineyard. Who is this owner? I mean, he's not even here. We're taking care of it. This is all ours. Somewhere along the line, it's so sad. And let's, we got to watch out for something similar in our hearts. But God or this owner became an enemy to them. So whoever the owner is sending is like another enemy. So they treated them horribly. They, they refused to give up their portion, and they, they beat them. And then lastly, the owner says, okay, finally, I'm going to send my son, who's just as if he's going himself. That's the same significance. And the owner's son comes, he's taken out of the vineyard, and he gets beat to death. This is such an accurate reality of these hearts of this religious leader. They were entrusted with Israel. They were entrusted to take care of the land and take care of the nation. But they began to think, well, this is mine. This is ours. We're doing this. We're, we are the authority. God, he's no longer our authority. Maybe he gave this us, but who is that? We could find our own answers. And they began to turn their back towards the owner, their God. And they refused to listen. Whoever God sent these prophets in the past telling them to repent. They're like, what repentance? They began to not listen to them at all. And John the Baptist was the end of the prophets. 
that gave them a chance to repent and submit to the one who's coming. But they refused that. And the one who came, Jesus Christ, he was in front of them, but they will not see him as their authority. Wow, I mean, that's just the saddest story ever. And to them, Jesus said this. This is verse 17. Jesus looked right into their eyes and asked, Then, what is the meaning that which is written, the stone the builders rejected has become the, become the cornerstone? Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone whom it falls will be crushed. The irony of this is every year, Jewish leaders and people would gather in the temple and, and over, I'm sorry, in their houses in the Passover time, Passover meal, and they recite this. This is from Psalms 118. And they recite the very words of this every single year. But when Jesus was in front of them, they did not make the connection because why? They didn't see Jesus to be their authority, their cornerstone. When I went to Israel last year for the first time, I visited this place called Nazareth Village. And in that, there's this, it's a time just like Jesus' time. And here's a picture of a cornerstone. It's a, it's a kind of a temple building. And it's, I don't know if it's hard to see, but this like right here is like one block, right? And every, uh, every other stone is not as big. This cornerstone was the most important piece because if it wasn't for the big, solid, sturdy stone, the, 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 uh, the house would come down or it's at least it's very, very weak. But this was the most important piece of this house. It's called the cornerstone. See, and when Jesus is your cornerstone, life will not be shaken. Amen, church? And not just on this earth. But for eternity long, it will not be shaken. He wants to be the cornerstone of your life. So in verse 18, he says this. He says one more time, we're going to re- look at this again. But he says, the, when we fall on the cornerstone, basically when we stumble upon this cornerstone, it will broke, break you into pieces. And when we hear that word, I'm like, wow, that's, that's harsh. But, you know, we got to see this as a spiritual matter. When we encounter Jesus, He will break you into pieces. In in other words, He will humble you. We have to humble ourselves. We have to be broken and have that contrite heart of repentance because He is God's Son, the ultimate authority coming down to us. When we be humbled, He will build you up. He put the shattered pieces and build you up. He will build our life. But when we refuse or when we don't see that, the stone, the same cornerstone will fall on us and we will be crushed. See, when we think about this, the broken pieces and being crushed, it sounds similar, but it's ultimately, it's completely different meaning. So the question is, will you rather be broken now and be humbled and submit to Jesus or be crushed at the end. At the end, meaning receive judgment, and He will be the judge that we will never see God. I mean, will you prefer that, or will you be broken today? Religious leaders of that time chose not to be broken. Even though they knew that this story was about them, they said, heck no, that I am not going to follow that, because I have the answer already. What about you? Jesus is asking the same question. Will you be broken now or be crushed later? 
I am the same cornerstone. Well, just like the religious leader, many people refuse to be broken, to submit. Because, you know, brokenness, it's, it's humiliating. It's shameful. It's a sign of weakness. They see it that way. So they're like, no, I don't want to be crushed or I don't want to be broken. Because for some people, the motivation in life is they're going to work hard, work hard and hard and build their life so that they never have to submit to anybody. I'm my own boss. That is a motivation for many people out there. They are building their life on their cornerstone, no, even though it's such a fragile piece. Some people build their life upon wealth and money and ability. But when that goes down, everything comes down. Jesus does not want you to be crushed at the end. He wants you to be broken so that He may build you up. Amen, church. He will build your life and that is His desire for Him to be your cornerstone. But if you want that, or when you, if you really want for Him to be your cornerstone, then we must be willing to submit. To let Him be the most important piece of your life, most important piece of your decision-making moments, important piece of the way you treat other people. Is He your cornerstone? I want to share you a story about a person who struggled to let Jesus be his cornerstone. His name was Jack. It was his nickname. He grew up in the church in Northern Ireland. And, you know, it was okay. But at the age of nine, something crazy tragic happens. His mother dies of an illness. And, and, you know, as growing up, Jack was praying to God that he would heal his mother. But she died. And some of you may have experienced similar things where you pray and pray and pray, but God does not answer in a way that you had hoped for, and you began to doubt God. And that's exactly what happened to Jack. Jack was like, nah, where is God? And when I needed him the most, I mean, we need, I needed him to heal my mother. <clears throat> so that death of his mother really troubled him. And what troubled, who got troubled the most was his father. Because his wife passed away, the father became very unstable. And he never was there for Jack and his brother growing up. So as you can imagine how troubling this life must have been for Jack. <clears throat> and what happened was he eventually rejected Christianity. Like, that, that's for some other people. That's just, just wishful thinking. I mean, I prayed, God didn't answer, God doesn't exist. And then later he became an atheist. It's like, there is no God. And he continued to debate against Christians because they were like, what you're believing, that's a fairy tale. You got to wake up and you got to learn how to trust in the things that you could touch, the tangible stuff. Because he was very, very gifted. He was a gifted writer and he became an author and he became very famous. And he began to have money in his life and he was able to rely on materials. So it's like, no, I'm fine with this. Who needs a God? Well, at the, in his 30s, however, after experiencing some success, he began to open up the Bible again. And he saw the gospel. And he read it. It was like, oh, you know, he's actually a little more mellowed. You know, he, he, he's, he's kind of chill. He's, he has kind of his, his well. So he, he was not as angry. So he received the word. And he's like, okay, that's cool. But I'm not going to submit to that. That's a good story, but not going to submit. Jesus is not my Savior. 
But his Christian friends, he had a lot of very gifted, you know, like a lot of Christian authors around him. And like he challenged his faith. They challenged his faith. They're like, and at the end of the day, he ran out of arguments. They, he tried to fight back. Well, because they said, you know, that does not make you make God go away. And they kept on challenging his faith. Thank God for wonderful friends. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I, I, I can't argue anymore. I, I, maybe there is a God. And then that became into a certainty that, yes, there is a God. And you know what? That God is Jesus Christ. And he, one day, it's a funny story. He was going to the zoo that morning. And then before he went to the zoo, he didn't think Jesus as his Lord. But when he got to the zoo, he's like, Jesus is my Lord. I don't know what happened, but that, that just happened, right? But, but that was a, a supernatural experience that he went through, and he surrendered to Jesus Christ, accepted his authority, and submitted to his power, and he welcomed Jesus, his cornerstone, after many decades of struggling. Well, Jack is his nickname. His, his real name is Clive Staples Lewis. His name is no better known as C.S. Lewis. It was an amazing convergence story. After 30-some years of just battling and doubting, he began to see Jesus as cornerstone. And from that point, he began to write theology books. And obviously, some of you already know and read is the Chronicles of Narnia. And his, his book, his writing, touched so many people and have helped people to really understand who Jesus Christ is. And God has used them in a many ways, amazing ways. You've probably seen his work too. Um, and that's C.S. Lewis. And you know, what made him so impactful i believe is because he he struggled a lot he fought with god for many years so he when he writes he knows how some people struggle with the concept of god he knows that feeling he remembers that it is reflected in his writing he knows where in life where people struggle the most about prayer about is he really listening to me he knows that because he went through that himself but he gave all that up to Jesus. And even those negativities of his life, even the trials and the, and the harsh reality of his life, God used it for the benefit of the people because it was reflected in his writing. He used them. God used them in a powerful way because Jesus was his cornerstone. And you know what? Jesus wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants to use every aspect of life, maybe even the negative things, maybe even the things that you're not so proud of. Even maybe you're angry at God. You felt angered. You felt like you got betrayed by God. Maybe you're reluctant to really follow him. You were like halfway, but you're ready to go out. Maybe your life is like, you know, you're you're apathetic about following fully or you're just like god uh, i don't know even those things it's okay because you know what god will use that eventually obviously god doesn't want you to stay there in that anger or in 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 the state of apathy but but he's gonna use you and you know what there's going to be christian friends around you that's gonna not let you stay there they're gonna challenge you they're gonna talk about your faith and that's why we exist. That's why we have life together groups because we're not alone so that we get to do life together as a church. But God will use every piece of your life for His glory. If you're willing to give that up and accept Him as the cornerstone of your life, and your life will shine 
with not your own glory, but the glory of God. Amen? Amen. You know, at the end of this passage in Luke, um, Jesus talks about a coin. You know that story? We're like, okay, where does this go back to? Well, it, you know, because the coin at that time, there's a picture of it. it. It has Caesar's face on it. So it's like, okay, so they're like, should we pay tax to Caesar or not? And Jesus says, you know, yes, of course, because there's a face of Caesar. It belongs to him. So give back to Caesar. What is Caesar's? I think it's, it's probably Caesar Tiberius at the time. It's like, what is his? You give it back to him. And what is God? Give back to God. Jesus is teaching us no matter how, how it is where you live, you must respect your authority even at a national level. We've got to be responsible citizens. We've got to pay our taxes. I mean, Bible teaches us that as well. But ultimately, this story teaches us that this coin belongs to Caesar. So give it back to him. But God is our authority ultimate authority and we're like a coin remember the story of the lost coin we used to be lost coins we were lost we were forgotten but jesus came and found you right remember that story the parable from the other part of luke we're like the lost coin we've been found by god and you know what we too like the coin a print of god all over our our lives you know in your life, did you know that God, in Genesis 1, 27, says God created us, created you in his own image. God's image is in your life, on your life, like a coin. And you know, God has showed up in your life, hasn't he? Isn't there fingerprints of his life all over your life telling him that you belong to me? See, it's like a coin with Caesar's face. We are a coin with God's face on it, that we belong to him. You know what's so cool is that it not only teaches us where we belong to and where our authority belong to, we will one day will return to God. Just like the coin of Caesar went back to Caesar, we as lost coins, we've been found and we will go back to God. And therefore, his face, his glory is all over our lives. Church, we're like that coin ultimately to return to God. And let's give back what is God's glory let us not live for our own glory let us live for god's glory as we continue to live your life thank him that he's found you and now be sure that he is your jesus is your ultimate authority don't let fake authority trick you you know like how Pastor Phil said in the men video before, there might be this fake authority coming, chasing you down and pulling right behind you and knocking on your door and says, hey, give me your license, give me your identity, give me your money. Maybe, the, what is that fake authority? I don't know for you. Maybe it is money. It is past failures. Maybe it is worries. Maybe it is concerns. Maybe it is your future. Maybe that holds your control and you see him as see that as your authority but those are fake authority i'm telling you because our authority is not no other than jesus christ and when those fears cripple you down or may may may, may concerns of future hold you back and chases after you please know that you have jesus authority inside of you Jesus' authority is living inside you. Maybe for some of you, He wants to be your authority because you have not yet to accept that 
that is the case, please accept him today so that he could be your authority. By his authority, we get to live. And with that, Jesus becomes the cornerstone. So may we submit to him and may his, may our lives be built upon that cornerstone. Submitting to the one and only, the God Almighty. Amen, church. Amen. You know what amen means? It says, I agree. I'm with you. You said amen. Let's do this, all right? Okay, all right, so we got weekly challenge on the screen. If you could take this picture with you, um, or, or uh, we'll send out an email on Tuesday about this, but um, please uh, read one more time carefully chapter 20 of Luke 1 through 26. What lessons do you take home from that passage? It's loaded with lessons, but I want to ask you this. Have you found yourself being like the religious leaders of that time? It's a hard question to ask, but we've got to be real. Because we sometimes, I sometimes, have the same tendency of what they've asked. So let's look at that question. And then, do you consider Jesus to be your authority? Would you allow him to be your cornerstone that breaks you and builds your life upon that stone? Upon him. And now, lastly, the overflow. Has God made, how has God made himself known in your life? Where have you seen showings of God in your life? Think about that. Share that with others. And now be sure to let His glory shine on you this week. All right, let's pray. God, we thank You that You've given all authority in heaven on earth to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, You've met us. You've found us. And when you when we accept you, accepted You, You have live you you are alive in me we thank you for that maybe for some that that reality hasn't been a tr- the reality yet may they welcome you into their lives and proclaiming that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus and he is living inside of me may that confidence continue to be part of our lives and may we build upon that cornerstone of who you were Jesus you are Jesus cornerstone of my life where my life is not going to be shaken, God. May we humble ourselves and allow us to break us into pieces so that you may build us even stronger than before, even more consistent and loving than ever before. But only through you we get to do that. So may we have the courage to allow you to be our true cornerstone of life. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 be taking communion now so i want to ask uh, andrew and ann would you help me um and take the the elements here um and then would you stand here and serve i'll be standing here so you'll be making yourself your way up if you have this communion i mean obviously every communion it is an opportunity for us to acknowledge who the who is the cornerstone of your life and this is a chance for us to say 
Jesus, you're my cornerstone. When you take this element, when you take the bread or the cracker and the juice, you're saying, Jesus, you're my cornerstone. I build my life upon you. And this is our proclamation to that. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, would you come up and receive, go back to your seats, and then would you take communion on your own? So I want to invite you up. But before we do that, sorry, let me pray for us. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us your life. You've given us what was yours and took what was ours. You've given us life. We thank you. So Lord, on the day, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and said, This is my body cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. God, thank you so much that this, we have access to this communion time today. May we humble ourselves. May we be broken by you so that you will build us up. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. I pray. Amen.